0: Hey everybody, this is Danny. Welcome to episode 11 of the Shot Takers podcast where I'm talking with photojournalist Luke Dre. Let's do it. Hey you guys, welcome to episode 11 of the Shot Takers podcast. So how are you guys doing like that? How was your week? It's been an interesting one. There's been an election. Um, there has been lockdown number two here in the UK, which has just started. Um, so, you know, I just wanted to say I'm here for you guys if you need me. Now more than ever, I think we got to pull together as creatives and help each other out. Whether it be, you know, in your professional work or, you know, just in life because we've got we to help each other out, you know. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show as well, you guys. It's been a big week for Shot Takers with the site going live um, and there's new content going up and it's starting to turn into something pretty cool. Um, so be sure, be sure to check out the, uh, the site if you haven't already done that and let me know what you think. Today on the show, I have Luke Dre, who is a professional photojournalist, the first one I've had on the show, so that's very exciting. Luke is a British photographer based out in Uganda, um, but also does some work in in London as well, so he kind of goes in between. He works predominantly for Getty Images, covering news across the continent, and his photos have been featured by Time, Washington Post, Guardian, New York Times, uh, Sunday Times, um, and, and much, much more. Um, Luke recently won Young Photojournalist of the Year from the UK Picture Editors Guild. At the age of 22, he's accomplished a hell of a lot in the industry and is just a really, really lovely guy to talk to as well and really knows his stuff. This was a fascinating chat for me and I learned a lot more than I expected to show. Luke's experience beyond his years and his passion for his craft is inspiring and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Of course, if you have any questions for Luke or for me or want to follow his work, Um, All the notes and all the links will be on the Shottakers website, um, as well as on the notes of most podcast apps as well. So you can check that out. Thanks once again uh, to Luke. Thanks again once again to you guys. Um, Hope you all good um, and enjoy the show. welcome to the show. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I've got to ask you. You just got back from the Apple Store. Tell us about it. How was your experience? Have you come back with a laptop? Have you got one yet?
1: Uh, No, I'm going to get one tomorrow. I think I'm trying to find a student to get a student discount.
0: Yeah, don't don't tell them. That's that's the secret.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Um, I I think they're always just like. There's a lot of students buying these laptops. It seems to be like almost everyone who buys a laptop (laughs) is a student. Those
1: students have got big budgets eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, amazing. Amazing, man. Um are you are you in London at the moment? Is that where you why you're No, from? I'm down I'm down in the family home
1: near Brighton. Um oh, nice. I, was, I did at the beginning of the lockdown, I thought I'd try moving to London, see what it was like, but it was just so dead. I came back home.
0: Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's kind of weird. You kind of I suppose you miss out on the magic of London this time this time of year or this time of year this time of covid (laughs) i guess
1: well no it's okay now like i've been i've been back and forth now and it's great fun yeah um but this was back in so i was in uganda and then i came back to see family and do some bits and bobs in beginning of march and then the world locked down in the in the beginning of march and that was it um so i tried march and april in london and nothing was happening so i came back here
0: so, was there any struggle getting back from uganda was did you have to like race to the airports or anything or was well, no it... no
1: no because covid wasn't really a thing um there was still a lot of people wearing masks and checks and that sort of thing but there wasn't because I, I had to transit through addis and you were you had temperature check there and that sort of thing yeah but it wasn't as serious it wasn't a big deal like it was by the time the end of march came and april you had that real very very quick development in the UK you had all this um, all this panic buying and all that sort of thing that hadn't started yet
0: yeah so. when everyone started stocking up on loo roll. wasn't yeah. that a fun time
1: it's, <laughs> it's happening again today you know it's no fun. way okay yeah, i've got yeah, yeah. i've got like
0: nine rolls on me so i think i'll be good but we'll see how we go Well, it's going to be interesting when this when
1: this when this thing comes out what's go- what it's going to be like isn't it you know I might because ask a question like easy. in
0: the um in the introduction like how many luos do you have right now? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing man. Actually like um one of the last times I went to the airport before all of this stuff kicked off was I was supposed to be going for a job in Doha in Qatar mm-hmm. um to do some school photography and uh, no one was doing any distancing this is before covid was a thing in the UK yeah. and I just got a message saying all the schools have been cancelled. So you don't need to come over. So I had to go to the um, um, air students and be like, can I please take my bag off the plane? Because I've got yeah. no work to go to. So I, there's yeah, no yeah. need for me to flow out. So they had to take my bag off the plane. And I that's home. weird, isn't it? That's, yeah, it's really, crazy. that's really odd. Yeah, it was an interesting yeah, I'm
1: time. As well because it'd be great to go there. Apparently it's really, really nice.
0: Yeah, it's cool. It's hot. Uh, but apart from that, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, man. So Thank you so much for coming on the show, dude. I, I really, really appreciate it. I'm so excited to have a chat with you. Um, just before we kind of dive into everything, just to give everyone a little bit of context, could you just tell us like a bit about, um, in your own words, what you do, um, who you are, like, yeah, what's, what's, what's your thing? What's Luke all about?
1: Uh, so I'm a freelance photojournalist. Uh, I, uh, I started off doing the uh, London scene, so politics and uh, the Westminster stories and just general news in the UK. Sometimes a little bit in Europe. And then I had an opportunity in Africa to go and do a lot of work out there. So I moved to Uganda middle of last year. um, And I've been covering Africa for mainly for Getty images since then, uh, but a few other people as well. Yeah. So I just photograph news and current affairs.
0: Amazing. So that is um, just uh, for those like kind of not in a know, just to clarify. So Getty is the company which you supply the images to. And then, yeah.
1: So I mean they're they're my main client, but uh, so they are probably they're like Reuters or AP or they're they're just a big picture news wire. Uh, whereas the other ones do not just pictures. Um, Getty mainly does pictures and video.
0: Um, thank you so much for that. Thank you. So now we know who you are, Luke. That's awesome. Um, yeah, so this is why I really wanted to chat with you because uh, I'm a, for those who don't know, I'm a wedding photographer. That is kind of like what I mostly do. Um, so because of that, I'm generally surrounded by commercial and people facing photographers for the majority of the time. Um, so that is wedding photographers, portrait photographers, newborns, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, so this is a new world for me. This is something which um, I, I'm always fascinated in. Um, you know, I love this kind of photography. Um, this is the kind of photography, you know, I'm, I'm, it's, it's the cliche, but I'm constantly looking at like, you know, the classic, like Magnum photojournalism type stuff and, you know, all that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm really excited to kind of dive in into this and kind of get an idea of how this happens and how you've, how you've managed to, um, do so much as well, um, and travel the world and all that good stuff. Before we get into that, Luke, uh, I'm going to hold back a little bit. I kind of want to, um, just to kind of get started, I suppose, I really want to, kind of talk about like that first beginnings just with a camera not even photojournalism not even like new stuff um yeah tell us about like your first like love of photography and kind of how that came about was it a slow burn thing did you were you hooked straight away tell us a bit about like that so
1: i used to do and i still do it still my my one of my big passions is wildlife photography and uh so when i was I It was two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight. I took the picture because only I, I looked at it recently, um, and it was a picture of a bee on a on a little daisy, and that was like my, my first picture. I was really really proud of, and that was a long time ago. Well, I'm twenty two now, so you do. It was uh, probably ten years ago or something like that. Yeah. And and so when I was going through school and that sort of thing, it was all wildlife photography and birds and mammals and the deer ruts at this time of year and all that sort of thing. Um, and it was with a little Fuji bridge camera. I, I loved that camera. That was my first little camera. So from the wildlife, um, I, in, in your teens, you tend to get a little bit political. You get to know what's going on. You get yeah. start to get angry with things. Yeah. That sort of thing. Uh, so I used to photograph demonstrations, uh, attend demonstrations, and that sort of thing. And from that, I took the pictures. Um, I won an award uh, when I in two thousand and. I can't remember when it was, uh, for a series I did on protest photography. I just whacked it together. It wasn't a planned thing. Uh, And that was Young British British Life Photographer of the Year. And then an agency picked me up, did newsy bits and bobs of end when I was in uh, end of school and college, did a few festivals and all that sort of thing, and then moved. It was probably three years ago, four years ago, that I tried a stint in London in the winter, and that went really, really well. And I just carried on doing news down here and up in London, alongside working at the camera shop. Working at the camera shop gave me good deals with gear, and then I could go off and shoot.
0: That yeah. was
1: all my whole life was trying to pay for gear. I think really.
0: Yeah, I bet, I bet. Um, that's fascinating, man. There's a lot for me to dive into there already. So we we have got some we've got some digging to do. <laughs> that's cool, dude. <laughs> um, what one thing, one of the first things you kind of um mentioned, which I I really want to ask you about is you know, you sort of got into um, protest photography. So I guess, you know, photojournalism and telling of the events and, you know, capturing all that. Um, and you said it was because, you know, when you were in your teens, it was something which was a, a passion of yours, you know, you when you're getting into, um, yeah, politics and stuff as, as, as we do, as we should. Um, so my question to you, I suppose, and what I kind of want to talk to you and dive a bit deeper on is that love of politics mixed with that, that love of photography you already had from the wildlife side um how did that kind of come together in terms of like it being a passion for you did you go originally going like i'm just here just because i want to learn more about politics and just brought your camera along with you or was it something like i feel like i have a purpose here i feel like i have a point of view i guess i suppose to, to kind of capture
1: i think it was a bit of a it started off i used to just attend the demonstrations uh, for various different things and then I started taking the camera along because I th- I saw this photojournalism online. I used to see uh, the press packs at the news and, oh, God, how that, wouldn't that be a brilliant job to do? And what great fun to be right in the action and mm. all that sort of thing. So I started taking my camera and I wasn't a journalist at that point. I just wanted to take cool pictures, you know, be there in the action. And it was after Cameron came in in 2015 for the second time, didn't he? maybe um, <laughs> i can't remember what it was and i went i went to a demonstration after after he got in uh by by this uh group who was protesting against the tory government and it all kicked off and uh the smoke bombs going and the police had their batons out and uh they they threw a the police threw a cone no the protesters threw a cone at the police and i got this picture of this cone landing on this copper's head um, <laughs> I just I just loved from that day I just loved being where the action was I mean the copper was unharmed it wasn't it wasn't a heavy cone at all Mm. Um, and they're quite used to that sort of thing
0: but it was just
1: I loved being where it was and then after that I just did everything I could to follow that I think
0: yeah that's amazing that's really really cool dude um I love like you say being where being where the action is um I think that is one of the main draws of documentary photography in general
1: i don't know whether it is though i think it's it, maybe it's the main draw at the beginning possibly mm. for some but then you develop this need to, to try and tell a story after that i think you go there for the action then you realize it's so much bigger than this mm. like you, yeah. it, it, actually look, if you look at a demonstration the violence especially in this country is so small it's not the main story really i mean it always is the height the headline but it's not the main story you know yeah you get there's a much bigger picture
0: it, it might be what is the eye-catching image i suppose or it's the yeah, thing which certainly. photographers will run towards but like mm. you say there's a bigger story going on um yeah yeah dude um we are definitely going to dive into that um, i'm going to put a slight pin in that because that's something i really want to dive into and um and talk about like kind of like that perspective as a photojournalist for sure um yeah for sure um but before we get to that dude what one, one other thing i wanted to ask you about is when you first started going to these demonstrations and stuff obviously you were quite young and you had a camera with you and you were presumably pretty close to all of this um can you tell me like remember how like how it felt like when you were first there like obviously all this stuff was going on around you you were trying to get pictures was it like a were you excited were you um a bit nervous was a? um were you just kind of overtaken by the energy of it all do you remember like how that sort of felt i think
1: it was always nervous going to a demonstration you didn't know what to expect and uh the clashes are rare though. they're not they're not and in this country they're never really that violent i think at the beginning i felt because i was obviously somewhat smaller and i hadn't really seen that much that it was very violent and exciting and scary and that sort of thing and i think it was i loved i was drawn to the the buzz of it all and uh, you it was brilliant to see people at their extremes of like um, emotion and or what i thought was an extreme of emotion I that that is a developed now into something that it's not it's not the same but you you loved i loved the excitement of it all. It was brilliant to be honest with you yeah you can't lie It was brilliant
0: yeah yeah amazing but no i have i felt that the same when i've just been to like a protest or a march or something like that you, yeah you get... there's this
1: energy isn't there yeah. there's this tension in the air not necessarily to fight but uh to...
0: I think things are just heightened it's kind of almost like being at a festival like it's that sort of I don't know just everything feels different at your your senses Mm. are higher I think Um, yeah there's
1: a lot more to look at to go on and it's in it's different I think that's what it is It's different yeah just something out of the ordinary isn't it
0: so dude so obviously yeah amazing um, capturing all of these events and obviously building up your skill set and building up your knowledge of like I guess, um, the kind of pictures you want to take and all that. Could you tell us about, um, that sort of next step, you know, when, when your pictures first, um, got published, I suppose, or when your pictures first got, um, into a, a news outlet or a paper or, or whatever, Could you tell us a little bit about like how that happened for you.
1: Okay. So the first news picture I had in, in the paper was from uh, a, a far right demonstration in Dover against migrants and immigrants, um, and it, it was it was quite a violent demonstration. People were fighting, and uh, the, there was ongoing clashes between the police and protesters, and then the protesters and counter protesters. It was all a very nasty day. Um, and I had a tiny, tiny little thumbnail in the corner of one of the red tops. Uh, it might have been the sun, or it might have been it was somebody like that. A uh, little a little thing in the bottom So and it was, that was my first ever. But it was on the front page. Uh, And then I had another one inside of this guy doing a Nazi salute. Uh, And that was, yeah, that was the first time. That was in 2016, I think that was. Yeah, and the buzz of having that first little, even was, it wasn't what you would call a front page now, but to have that at that time was just tremendous.
0: Yeah, dude, I totally know what you mean. Like, I so i used to do music photography like when Mm -hmm. i was at university and i remember the first time i saw like just a picture like very very small just like a little thumbnail of a gig i photographed and then like underneath you know when you see your name like photo by blah 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 yeah i didn't
1: didn't even have the name i didn't even have that privilege of having the name it was still a buzz
0: yeah that's amazing though, though like such a great feeling like um i think that's something like to be really proud of um that
1: well, I've still I've still got the tear sheet somewhere. I've still got it somewhere. I don't know where it is, but it's it's around.
0: Amazing, amazing, dude. And then, like, so did it kind of snowball from there? Did it kind of? No, not really. No. Um,
1: so I carried on working at working at the camera shop, and then I went on a three month. I saved up a lot of money and went on a three month. This was just when I turned eighteen. I went on a three month trip around West Africa. Wow. Um, from Benin all the way around to Senegal um so Benin is just on the border of Nigeria it's between Nigeria and Ghana it's like two little tiny little countries only 20 miles wide and I went from there all the way around to Senegal um and then I came back home didn't have any money worked in a kitchen as a KP for a while um and then started up again you have to save money to go back into London
0: yeah dude that's what i saying like when you were in um when you're in Africa like tell me about like the photography you were doing at the time I guess yeah I'm sorry I, I know I you're traveling but...
1: it wasn't it was just travel it cool. was just pictures of people and documenting having a laugh really and I made a little photo book at the end of it it was just a great yeah. time I think it gave me a lot of confidence as well to travel to Africa I think people overcomplicate the continent um
0: yeah no I agree man I'm like so I've only done um Myself, I've only done Tanzania and South Africa, uh, mm-hmm. and I think both... well, South
1: Africa is scary.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So South Africa requires a bit of background reading, and I think you need to kind of know what you're doing know a little bit. where you
1: can go and where you can't. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um. But Tanzania, man, I I thought was this just, just so so lovely, and South Africa was lovely as well. Like you just have to kind of like you said, yeah. there's no no bits. That's amazing, dude. So um. So was it what you expected when you went on the trip, or did you did you take more away from it than, than you thought? I guess.
1: Uh, I took uh, yeah I, d- I was very naive before that point about not li- not living in Africa or, but not or even not even working in Africa but what just being in Africa was like because I'd mm-hmm. only ever really done my mum took me on safari a few times um, and that, that that was amazing and it's not really seeing Africa yeah you don't interact with the people and you don't do that sort of thing but so it was amazing to just go around and
0: i think you're totally right i think it's so nice to see some elephants every now and again but like
1: like well, i didn't see well, i didn't see any big game there's no, there's yeah. hardly any big game in west africa now which is such a shame
0: yeah yeah i i when i was in um in south africa i only saw like they were like the chances of you seeing a rhino are like slim to none like they just mm. do not exist anymore it's such a shame you're on kruger or where did you go i did kruger yeah um which i think i don't regret doing but it's massive it's like the size of switzerland yeah. so yeah it's it's a lot of driving there's
1: concrete roads everywhere near enough isn't
0: it? Yeah yeah, it yeah yeah it is um but yeah it's still magical still, still really enjoyed it but yeah it's it's an interesting experience anyway um yeah and tanzania how was that yeah it was cool i was in i went to a place called mafia island and i did um like diving conservation um so that's oh, that, lovely that, i did quite a bit of photography there as well and that was um yeah, really a really good experience as well so yeah
1: where exactly cool. is, is whereabouts is that is it near zanzibar it's
0: near zanzibar yeah it's north of zanzibar
1: yeah it's a right on the kenyan tanzania border
0: Then. yeah yeah it's beautiful it's It's like it's like almost it seems caribbean almost yeah it's it's really cool the blue water and the indian ocean is so warm isn't it yeah man it's good i'm getting getting flashbacks (laughs) (laughs) um oh dude that's amazing um we could talk about we could talk about that. I think all day. We might have to do a sep- a separate chat. Well, we're about... coming
1: into a winter lockdown, aren't we? So we we're are. Have yeah, yeah.
0: To try and <laughs> do something. Yeah, dude. I'm feeling warm already. Um. <laughs> so, dude, like, I want to I want to dive in a little bit deeper about like you know obviously getting the the work published and working for these these agencies and and everything and you know when it shifted for you um into like working for like Getty Images and stuff. So um, obviously once you got back from. From Africa, and you, you know, you got back to, to to doing bits and bobs in London, and like doing the the occasional shoot. Um, to, like, what was in the back of your mind then? Did you know that, like, had you made the decision, like, like you were gonna be a photojournalist? Was this like already decided at this point, point um, and it was just a case of getting there?
1: I almost probably, yeah. I can't, I can't quite remember, but I mean, it was a dream for sure to make money for, at, well, to make money you could live off doing stories, yeah. That, that was the ultimate dream and I, I, I was very, very lucky to have a uh, the local photographer down here, Eddie Mitchell, he helped me out no end in how to become a photographer, a news photographer, and he pushed me into the local paper, which I think everybody, I think, they say local journalism is dead, it's true to an extent, Uh but it is what you make of it. And I think you can learn so much from working at a local paper.
0: What's a good example of like a lesson learned when, you do, when you're working there? How to approach people who might not
1: necessarily want to talk to you. Doing a door knock or doing weather pictures in the street. So you might have to knock on somebody's door and say, um, can, I, can I photograph you for whatever reason or this, that or the other? Or can I have a comment? whatever it is, whatever the story was, or taking pictures of people walking down the street in the pissing rain. That was another thing that you wouldn't, you don't feel comfortable doing it at first. It's really, really difficult. Um, you feel like you're really intrusive and that sort of thing, where you, you're completely within your right to whoever you like in, on the British, on the public place. But it's, it's not something that comes naturally at first. It's pretty, uh, it's quite hard, but you have to be able to do that. That is such an important thing to to learn to do and talking to people talking to people
0: yeah i think that is um you know from from what i've learned a little bit about photojournalism um, i guess through doing some street photography as well um which i suppose there are some transferable elements in it to an oh, extent no,
1: absolutely yeah yeah
0: um i think you're totally right i think being able to do to do the photography that is one skill but like you say like your 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 ability to get out of your own head I think uh, is super, super important. I and mean, I think like I've, when I've done super photography before, when I first got started with it, um, I remember just feeling super awkward. And mm, no as soon could. as someone saw my camera, you're just like, you feel guilty for taking a picture, even though like yeah.
1: there's no... And you, want to fall, you want to sink into the ground, don't you?
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And actually like I did find like photographing things like at like demonstrations or events, like slightly... So they want
1: to be photographed there. They want to be <laughs> photographed on the whole.
0: Exactly. You feel slightly less like, a, like, like a creep <laughs> than, um, yeah, then definitely. photographing, photographing just one person on their own in the middle of the street. Um, I found that like, that was easier in some respects. Um, but it's something I still struggle with now. Um, I still sometimes try and take a picture without that person knowing. Um, and like you say, I'm talking to people. That was something I was really trying to get into before all of this lockdown stuff of like asking people for, for portraits and stuff. Um, Obviously, that's been, hold, been put on hold for a little bit, but that is a, a skill, I think, um, which I think even outside of a world of photography is something that, that you know, can benefit everyone um, being yeah. comfortable and getting out your own head. And-
1: start, start striking up a conversation. You've got to be able to do that in this job. Yeah. And that's something you can only really learn at a local paper.
0: I see it so much in your work as well like what you're talking about um like looking through your portfolio and your stories and stuff i can see that the the telling the story in the images is the most important thing which is happening there like you've put yourself in in places that other people might be um second thing to go to step into you know you might be quite close to something which is a very um intimate or important moment or something with like you know which um you know you're in people's space essentially and yeah. i think you being a, a like you say a people person and um not being a weirdo is is one very important thing and like you say i guess um and not to put words in your mouth here but like i guess um yeah getting out of your head and focusing on the picture and putting the picture first would you say but yeah. that's like an important thing to you
1: yeah you have to 90 percent of the time the picture is the most important thing yeah I mean, there are times that I've I've not taken pictures because it wouldn't add to the story and it wouldn't be respectful to the person in the photograph, you know. But yeah, the picture is just the most important thing most of the time. Yeah. And as soon as you, I think you work, well, once you work that out, nothing else really matters as long as you do it in a respectful way. I mean, you don't shove a camera in a morning person's face and you don't do that sort of thing. You do it in a much more respectable way you have you have the photographer you have like paps do it all the time they do it in a really nasty way and i wouldn't i I can't i don't have time for any of that yeah you you, you can't go into photography for the it's not about you is it this sort of job it's about other people and if you if you upset other people you're not doing you're not doing your job are you
0: yeah amazing man I, i i think that's really nice to hear and um you know, obviously Paps and you know, Paparazzi and photojournalists are two very different worlds. Um, they're worlds apart in their approach. Yeah. Um and, and it's refreshing, I think, to see someone have that kind of that outlook and uh, you know it is. I'm about... not the only
1: one though. I, every every photojournalist, press photographer I know is not is not like that. They're not aggressive. You know? Yeah. You can't be.
0: Yeah. Um so, you know obviously you're 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 there to catch that story, and um you know the world of photojournalism, when something is going on, when there is something to cover, you know, let's say it's a press event or whatever. Um, you I, you see lots of photographers around, right? like I've seen you know at demonstrations, there's lots and lots of photographers around. Is there a sense of competition in what you're doing? like is there a sense of trying to? get a shot that other people aren't getting that and do you have like sort of any strategies to kind of I suppose get something that stands out or is it just a case of of, of working with with what you have
1: um I think you there's competition uh, amongst I've only really experienced the press back in London I don't know what it is elsewhere what it's like elsewhere but in London for example you have you always want to get something slightly different or better than everybody else. But what you wouldn't do is stop somebody else from getting a picture to make sure you are the only person with that picture. You wouldn't yeah. stand in front of someone because that is just a no-no, for example. You get you get people who do it. And I could say weekend warriors, but cut that bit out because that's really, really bad.
0: That's fine, Dino. <laughs> it's, fine. Really <laughs> it's really snobby.
1: <laughs> it's
0: fine. I understand you completely. I understand. It's like Uncle Bob at a wedding. Yeah. But I guess you, um, I, I guess you have that a lot at things like protests and stuff. You would probably have. Yeah, um, you
1: do, and they they have they have just as much the right to be there as we do. But you've got to work. I think if photographers work together at a big event like that and don't tread on each other's toes, it works out a lot better for everybody. And you don't make friends by blocking people's shots either.
0: Yeah, and you you never know how important that contact's going to be, right? Like it could be. Well, someone... Yeah, your,
1: your your card might corrupt halfway through a big day. And you might need to borrow a card or a lead, or you know, you don't know what you're gonna need in the future. So just make friends with everyone. Don't yeah. don't be a dick.
0: Yeah, that is good advice for any creative industry for life, I think. And yeah, yeah. yeah, and for life. Yeah, absolutely. Man. <laughs> um that's awesome, dude. So thing which really always interests me is um the art of creativity and you know like how we are creative in our professions and how we can kind of like embrace that love of making stuff because that's how we kind of all get into thing you know it's how we all got into photography in the first place is, is you know being creative now i know with photojournalism there is obviously telling you know being truthful and you know documenting things correctly is priority you know you can't you know lie when you're taking a picture and you can't take liberties, um, I would I would assume, unless you work for like, you know, I suppose one of those dodgy um media places. But um, you know, your your main job, I think, is to document things as they happened and capture that. So my question I suppose to you is, um, and you can kind of interpret this however you like, is how does creativity kind of play a role in in photojournalism? And like how do you keep that creative side of you while at the same time thinking about being telling the story honestly About and not lore. manipulating things it's yeah
1: yeah exactly um so you it's like I say you've got uh, you, you've got something happening in front of you you uh you can play with light to an extent if you you can play with light and shadow and that sort of thing uh as long as it's not enhanced i think Can't you can't play, you can't physically do much wrong out of camera. Um, it's when it comes to post production that you've got to be really, really careful. Uh, it's whether you bring up the shadows too much, or especially taking, taking the blacks down and the shadows down too much to almost remove things from the picture is a big no no. Um, and doing something to add or take away or enhance too much. And people are too crazy with the clarity slider all the time. Um, And somebody said to me the other day, and it's a photographer I admire. He's one of the best photographers in the world. Uh, And it's always the quiet ones are the best photographers in the world as well. It's not the ones, the ones who don't need to shout. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was saying that you just leave it, just don't do anything. Okay. Just, Crop, sharpen, noise, noise reduction. That's it. Don't do anything else. If you if you can't get it right in camera, just just keep it. Just keep it how it was because then you can't go wrong. Um, I'm gonna try and do that a lot more as well.
0: Yeah, that's amazing, man. I think that's like a that sounds like something which comes of experience. I think maybe there's an urge to over edit sometimes to kind of uh, because you're not confident it's good enough to deliver at first. So I think that does sound like an yeah, experience-based thing. Which is thing. where where
1: we have. Like nowadays, well, I say nowadays, I've been doing this for a long time, but what we have got is this live filing. Um, So we will send like a seven megabyte JPEG or even less four megabyte JPEG off the back of the camera straight to the picture desk. So we uh, we very rarely carry a laptop around, to be honest, it's too heavy, too bulky, I haven't got time for that. Mm. So that means that you, you send a JPEG to the desk in London and You haven't got time they haven't got time to do loads and loads of edit and they can't because it's a JPEG. They haven't got that that resolution or that file size to play with it. So you is just kept how it is. Um yeah, you're not you're not breaking the rules by doing that. And that's quite a good thing for uh the industry, I think.
0: Yeah. Amazing, dude. I think that's really cool. No, I think that's important. Um I think it's something yeah to to always kind of remember. I guess you know there's that. I guess that is what takes the difference between photojournalism and yeah like street art or you know, yeah.
1: But then you also you have a very photojournalism is two different categories. I think really you have news, and then you have more long form stuff, uh, which you have time to come home and think about and think about how you want to edit that pitch to just enhance not enhance, but make it clearer what was happening as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, like breaking news, you just send it off the back of the camera. It doesn't really matter, but longer form stuff, you need to make it because cameras can't pick up what the eye does. You know, it's impossible. Yeah. You've got to try and make like Canon, the colors, sometimes the colors in Canon or Sony or whoever you use, aren't, aren't true to life. And the white balance can't be quite right. Um, you haven't got time to make the white balance quite right. Yeah. Um, so you have to just do a little bit sometimes.
0: Cool. No, I get that. No, that's amazing, man. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. Just don't
1: take it too extreme. Yeah. Sometimes it might be a little bit too blue or a little bit too yellow because that's just the way the camera picks it up.
0: Okay, dude, I'm, just gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna change tack a little bit, actually. I'm gonna ask you about something a little bit different and um, feel free to answer this however you like. Um, mm-hmm. So with a lot of your photojournalism work, there is a you know the stories you're telling, in particular stories you've captured when you were in Africa. Um, there is a lot of emotion there um, in in some of your pictures, and I'm sure you're you you know which kind of photos I'm I'm talking about where um you know where there's there's stuff going on and the, um I think you know there is there's times when you're documenting you suffering.
1: Something... It's just there's suffering in the there's
0: picture. suffering exactly yeah. and 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 it's it's a big thing to capture. Um, and and like I say, answer this however you however you like. Um, how does that how does that affect you when you're when you're trying to document it? Um, you know, in terms of trying to trying to capture it honestly and trying to do your job, but at the same time, you're surrounding you're surrounded by something which is a pretty emotional scene, and and I'm sure it you know would affect anyone. Um, how does that kind of play in your head, and how do you kind of work around that? I suppose.
1: Um. Do you know, it's interesting you say that because I I'm not an emotional guy, but I think in the in the like the as everyone was in the height of lockdown people, it was a struggle sometimes and you you had you had too much time to think. Uh, and things just kept you get things coming back into your head all the time and this sort of thing. But then you've got to remember as well that you chose to be there. Um so you just gotta suck it up, I think, as well, just deal with it. Um I'm not, I haven't, I haven't ever been to war zones and I i haven't been to anywhere to look extreme. So I, I, I think you've just got to, the story isn't about you. So you just have to crack on with it. Really? You have got to crack on with it. You can, you can, you can either do this job or you can't, it does catch up with people as well. I, I am genuinely really, really scared about that. Mm-hmm but it's the line of work you choose and you've got to live with the consequences, have not you? There's everything. You, you, you try and mitigate everything as much as you can and you chat to other photographers. Um, and, but I also feel a lot more sorry for the writers, actually. And the uh, not just the writers, but the broadcasters, who, not the cameramen, not the cameramen is what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. be it with still or video. Because we we have this almost like barrier between us, whereas they they just see it. Mm-hmm. I think they're the ones who really truly get it
0: badly. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's 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 cool, man. Yeah, I suppose. I, yeah, I see where you're going from. Well, um,
1: like we have a job to do when we're looking at it. Our job is to take the picture, you know. But yeah. writers, what 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 in that moment, they they just see it. You know, they just see it
0: yeah and i suppose sometimes if they're doing an interview sometimes they have to um for the benefit of everyone who want who needs to hear this story they have to ask maybe to questions relive. and yeah, yeah.
1: they live their worst nightmare
0: yeah yeah but it's important you I know? as i
1: as, you as a photographer you sometimes do that but it's not as you don't you don't have to get as many quotes i don't think
0: yeah okay man yeah that's a that, that's cool that's a good answer and i i think um i suppose it's i suppose that's all you can do like you say like you have to have you just have to be able to get on with it and like you say remember it's not about you and remember what the importance of it is Is what of what you're doing and you know i know that you handle these things with respect and you you still treat people the way they should be treated and
1: yeah and i, I, I like mean, what you said at the start just go when to the you,
0: pub and chat about it
1: if, if, if something if you're feeling down about something just chat about it. i think we it's very cliche now to say we've got to talk and all this sort of thing but you do just have to talk yeah and don't talk to people who don't talk to your family about it i don't think because they have no idea
0: do you surround yourself with other do you talk to like other photo as well just for that is that one of the reasons why it's quite good to have these relationships so you can talk about this kind of stuff and bounce off ideas and
1: uh i think it's good just good to have people to chat to in it um yeah. just whoever it is it doesn't you speak to a writer or photographer, just anybody, but it's not, yeah. So it's not something I've had to deal with at the moment. Uh, so I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask how you deal with it.
0: Yeah. Fair news. Okay. Well, it sounds like you are prepared and it sounds like, you know, like, it sounds like, um, you know, you know, you, you're aware of this, you know, and you're aware of this, um, the importance I guess is empathy, right? I suppose like empathy is a really, really important part of.
1: Yeah. And if you don't, you don't feel that. you are not human. Are you?
0: absolutely man couldn't agree more awesome stuff um okay dude so i just have one kind of like one more question to kind of ask you before we sort of um wrap things up here um this has been a really really interesting for me man i'm kind of dissecting all of these little bits as well it sounds it's it's fascinating it's, it's really really fascinating um so i kind of wanted to ask you specifically about this year if you don't mind talking about it because obviously um so just for people listening maybe in the future we're in 2020 right now um if you don't know what's going on in 2020, then yeah, maybe check a newspaper. <laughs> Wake up. Wake up. Yeah, exactly. Um You know, so we have a lot of people have stopped working. A lot of people have had to stay at home. Um One thing which has not stopped, of course, is the news Um and like, you know, documenting all this stuff. Could you just tell us like a little bit about what this year has been like for you in terms of both dealing with a pandemic, but also um there being a lot of responsibility i suppose for photographers and journalists to, to to capture what's going on to to keep people informed
1: um so as as with everyone it's been very very difficult um and in in the uk especially we haven't had access to the covid story uh, endless photographers and jour- uh, journalists and editors have tried to get access to uh, covid wards to try and Tell the story like they did. the The New York Times did this tremendous piece at the beginning of Corona in the West. So it had been in China for a while, uh, and we we'd seen that outbreak, and it was very much in China. We hadn't we hadn't seen the outbreak in uh, in Europe and America. So and and Italy was the first hotspot in the West, wasn't it? And the New York Times uh, had put an amazing photographer in there and took pictures of the outbreak in Northern Italy and they embedded in the Red Cross and the most stunning pictures from, scary pictures, and it, scary pictures from the front line in people's homes and on hospital wards of cramped, uh, I'm looking at the pictures now as I'm talking about it, they're, they're cramped wards, doctors terrified, coffins being piled up um people really really suffering we hadn't we hadn't really seen this level of suffering before here for a very very long time and it woke the world up but we needed this in the uk as well but we weren't nobody was allowed that level of abscess which is a great shame because it's a huge part of history that's never going to be documented. I mean, Ross Kemp went in there and did something uh, Stacey Dooley did, and they're both uh, respectable people, but nobody, photographers weren't allowed in. A few, a Magnum guy got in and a Guardian guy got in. Not a lot of other people did. Uh, And it was all very much PR. Um, Mm -hmm. So we couldn't. Uh, people much more important than me couldn't go, and much more important, much better, couldn't go and do this story. And that that was really, really difficult because it, it wound us up no end.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. uh, we would have been doing the public a service by, we, and the government a job, by scaring people about this. Because it truly was, the pictures from Italy are truly, they're really quite scary. I'm. Look, this is the first time I've looked at them since I first looked at them now. I'm just scrolling through and it's tremendous. You, you look it up. We, we take the deck from morning till night.
0: I will leave uh, a um, a link in the show notes if li- you want to check this out. That. Yeah, for sure.
1: Because it, it it's mad. I'm looking at it. It's got shivers down my spine now.
0: It's, it's moments like that that I think um, you really understand the the power of of photojournalism in that respect in terms of um, changing people's minds and so, sorry go on luke
1: uh, yeah no one photographer who did do a, trend, a really good job was lindsay adario um she worked hard and she got she got the pictures um that was the national geographic uh, but the the uk press really really struggled for various reasons
0: yeah that's a shame man um yeah it's it's moments like that and i think like these kind of stories where you kind of really do understand that real power of of and the importance of what it is we you do as a photojournalist i think and um when it goes beyond just that creative itch and the service you are doing for the people because at the end of the day that's what it is it's a service industry in 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 that respect in terms of informing and well, yeah, guiding we were... and
1: we were key workers at the height of it. Um, people were like COVID reporting was, was a key, was a key, one of the key roles that we were allowed to carry on as normal, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it, need, it need, and it always needs to carry on and it always needs to be protected. Um So yeah. That, Which that's... is not
1: at the moment. I'm going to have a little rant now. Please um, do. Because our, our current government, doesn't well we always we're always thinking we're living in this big uh democracy in the uk but the press in other countries has even in america has so much more access to politicians than we do here we in america you have the white house briefings where you can answer questions in the european parliament you can uh go and People have to walk in and out the front door, past reporters who can ask them questions. And all over the all over the world, you have a lot more access to politicians than you do here. Whereas here, you we not we don't have a photographer. We we don't we're not allowed as journalists into the House of Commons or or into the House of Parliament itself to photograph democracy taking place. And we're not allowed. We see that we we don't see behind Downing Street at all. We only ever allowed in the front of Downing Street, and uh, Downing Street have their own photographer who happens to be a really really nice guy. But we don't have we don't have access here, which is quite scary, really. And we we just we don't have any of it mm. like like we do elsewhere.
0: That is really interesting, actually. And um, you know my my knowledge of politics definitely could be better um but the idea of downing street having their own photographer as opposed to i suppose an impartial party um is is something quite interesting to me yeah
1: but they could because they give out the pictures for free the papers lap them up um because papers haven't got huge budgets anymore yeah and it's we we need we we still have pool photos and where one photographer, and th- this is completely acceptable just to stop cr- overcrowding, especially during a co- time of COVID. They'll have one photo- one photographer from a newspaper and one photographer from one of the wire agencies. So Reuters, Getty, AFP, AP, PA, any of those guys. And that, and then they share the pictures that that's fine, but that, that is being prevented from happening by uh, the people in charge of press at Downing street and, in government, um, it's like this migrant story. I've been working a lot on this on this migrant stuff, and we're not allowed to. Uh, countless times, people have asked to go onto border force boats to photograph what's happening, and you can't. So the only way you can do it is uh, hire a boat for X amount. It's quite expensive to hire a boat from uh, from Dover and go out and find find the boats yourself and and photograph them, and you're not allowed behind the scenes access to something that really doesn't need to be that private.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's happening. Of course,
1: course each person has, has, uh, has their privacy, but I think as a story, it doesn't need to be private. Yeah. and behind closed doors.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking at your migrant story now. The pictures are, um, I know this hasn't been released yet. Um, but, uh, you, you give me a, you very kindly give me a sneak peek. Um, and it's an amazing story um can you tell me about a little bit like why why you decided to this was um, an important thing for you to obviously it is an important thing um but what was it that inspired you that you wanted to go out and capture this and what was it that inspired you that um, this was a story you wanted to tell
1: uh, well i kept reading in the news um that these uh, they they were calling it a crisis but it's really not a crisis because we're not seeing numbers the numbers at the Mediterranean continue to see,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: we've seen this explosion in the number of crossings made by boats across the English Channel. Where, whereas it used to be uh, through the Channel Tunnel and through trucks and that sort of thing, but because those routes have become a little bit more unviable now, especially trucks because of COVID, there's less trucks crossing and various things. People are having to force to go on boats, and I got I'm very very bored. I haven't we haven't been able to go out and shoot much because not not much has been happening apart from COVID that would sell. Um, and then I was lucky enough to be given the opportunity to go and photograph uh, or spend time down in Kent to photograph migrants as they arrive. Uh, it takes a lot of time. There's a lot of waiting around for nothing to happen. But then a few times I did get a few half-decent pictures um, of what's going on. And it is it is really, really sad what's going on down there. There's there, I'm surprised that boats haven't there hasn't been mass drownings yet because they're using shoes to bail out these little dinghies and regardless of whether you want them here or not, it's not it's not right that people are having to literally risk their lives it's across the busiest shipping lane in the world to try and seek sanctuary sanctuary, isn't it, you know?
0: Yeah. I agree, man. And um yeah, I think that's like you say you're using your skills as a photographer to get this message out there and to, to spread it to other people. And I think that's, um, you know, it's important. Um, so I, I hats off to you, buddy. I, I, I really respect that you, that's something you, you've been taking the time to do for, uh, this year. Um, and what has been an otherwise terrible year. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that that's awesome, buddy. Um, yeah. Hats off to you, man. I really respect that. So dude, thank you so much for answering all of my questions um and for being such a great guest i really appreciate it absolutely fascinating stuff um oh, thank you man it's it's so so cool and I, I think we could speak for a long time about this and you might be like my, my new um politics confidant when i feel like i want a little rant about some <laughs> things so. <laughs> <laughs> um but that is amazing dude um just a couple, um, the, the way I kind of like to wrap this these, these chats off is just with some like rapid fire questions, um, just about like a few things which interest me. Um, so if you're happy to go for it, we can dive right in. They don't have to be rapid answers. They're just fairly rapid questions, I guess, or fairly short questions. Yeah. When you were first starting out, or I guess even now, was there like a um, a photography hero or photography, like not hero, but you know, someone who you looked up to, um, whose work you really loved, who like, you think other people should check out? Um, or they could be a photojournalist, they could be a, um, a magnum photographer, or, or anything like that. Um, yeah, so someone who kind of stands out to you is like, go check this person out.
1: Dude, there's so many, man. Sure. Uh, and you know, there's so many people who have helped me out. So many people. I've been very, very lucky to have some of the best photographers in town really, really help me. Um, but it's always the quiet ones that are better because they don't have to shout. Um, about what they do. Uh, look at uh, Dan Kitwood, Leon Neal, um, uh, Hannah McKay, Peter McDermid, Chris Furlong. Uh, there's so uh, Mary Turner. Those sort of people are just tremendous. Uh, there's And there's loads more that I haven't named uh, mm-hmm. because the list is is endless we've got so, there's so much good talent in in the uk for photography so much good talent and all of them are so so good
0: um, um yeah cool i think that's one of the actual quite cool things about photojournalism actually is that generally speaking unless you are in the know um People don't know these names that often, do they? Yeah, you and, haven't heard uh, any of them. You? No, no, you have. I haven't. Um, I, unless someone like, I guess, you win like a an award. I suppose. Um, generally speaking, it's a pretty. Um, there's not a lot of ego in the craft, which I think is a great thing. Um, as I think there to... is,
1: though. I think it's all the wrong people with egos. Yeah. Okay. Um, don't get me wrong. There are incredible photographers who are really, really well known. Incredible photographers, like, but. I think you need to give some of the quiet ones their their minute as well because they are tremendous.
0: So dude, I'm I'm a big fan of like techie stuff and tools and gadgets and all those kinds of things um that people use in their jobs. Um so I guess what is like one tool or gadget or gizmo uh, that you use that maybe other people don't use as often.
1: Um what I uh, in the UK it's not a problem signal isn't isn't an issue. Uh but when you're abroad signal can be a real big problem uh, just lack of it um so i use this maps app called maps me and it's all offline um and it's just tremendous for finding tiny little villages that you have heard about on the news that you need to go and look at or you need to go and find somebody who lives in this remote village in, in northern uganda or wherever you are and you, the only way of finding this is on Maps Me because you don't have signal. Um and it just everything is on that app. It's brilliant.
0: Amazing. I'll go check it out. Yeah. I like, um I think even in the UK sometimes I feel like I get stuck. Like as I go hiking and things and like Oh, yeah, it's
1: got all the footpaths on there, man. Yeah. Get get Maps Me, it's brilliant. And it's free and it's all um like crowdsourced and yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's really cool um have you heard of that is it called um is it called free words thing But the thing they advertise for when yes, you get lost what three word, uh, whatever, yeah. yeah that thing that's pretty um, really cool i've not used it yet no, I'm not got i not that's great
1: that's great for if you need to know where you are but if you're trying to find yeah something that is quite is difficult to find it'll usually be on MapsMe. Nice it may nice. have a slightly different spelling but if it's in the same sort of rough area it's usually a good bet
0: nice i like that that's awesome um so dude last rapid fire question um i'm a bit of a book nerd um i like my podcasts and stuff do you have like a a book or a podcast uh luke's looking at his bookshelf right now as oh, i actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see me on the camera you at it. Uh, um yeah do you have like a book which you i guess you'd like to recommend to people or one which you know meant a lot to you i guess it doesn't even have to be about photography or creativity or anything. It can just be a book. It can be Lord of the Rings. If you like Lord of the Rings, it can be whatever you want. I've
1: never read that and I've never seen the films. How bad is that? That's is, um, <laughs>
0: That's bad. That you is had, really, really bad. You've got a lot of free time. You should watch it. It's good.
1: I probably should. Do, yeah, <laughs> but I've been playing too much time on the Xbox. For my <laughs> <nature>. <laughs> it's just even worse, isn't it? Um, I tell you what is a really, really good read. Um, another bloody love letter. Um, it's by a Times journalist called Anthony Lloyd, and it's about his battle with addiction and his reporting and uh, different his his journey battling his addiction. I think, and it's not it's not a journalism book as such. It's just a book about life and struggle. It's a bloody brilliant read. I love that book, um, and I I've read the most moving book. I've only just. I've recently finished it, and I. I did a lot of shouting about it. and it's only just come out. It's by, uh, I think she's, I think she's Channel Four, or I. She's well, she's one of the big broadcasters, either BBC, Channel Four, or ITV. Christina Lamb, uh, "Our Bodies, Their Battlefield." It's an incredible. It's a book about women in war and the way that they have always been the forgotten, like the forgotten war crimes against them, and about it's about the use of rape in war mm. and it was the most jaw-dropping book i had not, it's it it moved me to my core it really did yeah i'm so so glad i've read it because i had no idea um, i i implore that everybody reads that book every i think every man should read that book at least
0: yeah that actually sounds amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on my list, man. That, that sounds like a really, really good book. I didn't, I've never heard of it. So, um, dude, thank you so much. Do you, any, just before we go, like, any like parting words you'd like to, maybe, which we haven't talked about, you'd like to say to maybe any aspiring photojournalists, anything you'd like to, to sign off with?
1: Oh, well, to anybody who like, wants to do this, um, it's the best job in the world but it's, it's, it's very unsociable and you've got to work as hard twice as hard as everybody else. You have to work hard, hard, hard. Um, and everybody hates you,
0: but the rewards are there. I love it. It's the best job
1: in the world. It really, really is.
0: Amazing, man. Thank you so much. Um, well, dude, we're going to wrap it up there. Um, absolutely amazing speaking to you. I've learned a lot. It was fantastic. Um, just very lastly if people want to connect with you as long as um as long as you're cool with that if they want to reach out and just say hello and and thank you for talking on the show or whatever um where would be a good place to reach them like instagram or email or-
1: yeah instagram um or twitter um or you can get me through my website um yeah it's luke dre photo on twitter and insta um cool and then you just type in luke dre into google and it's usually probably the first one i don't yeah, really I hope, hopefully it's the first one one thing i don't ever haven't ever bothered with is suo um i probably should do that.
0: Fairies, man like um i got really annoyed because there was a couple on love island one of them oh no not, not Love Island. uh yeah no i was love island i think or one of those shows and it was um, a girl called Danny and a, and a guy called Jack. So um, I went to number like five in my own name. And I was like, absolutely good. Because <laughs> they, they outranked me on everything. It was bad times.
1: Oh, bugger. That's I awful.
0: I know. I'm it's okay. Though. I'm, I'm back on top. <laughs> I should do. Yeah, I should do. Okay, man. Well, like, like, um, once again, thank you so much for being on the show, dude. Um, and I will speak to you soon. Okay, buddy?
1: Awesome. That's brilliant. No, thank you for having me. It's been a, been
0: a laugh. No worries, man. All right, take care.
1: See you later.